Hello, welcome to the Catholic Talk Show. My name is Ryan Delacrosse. We've got Ryan Shield with us and Father Rich Pagano. Say hi, guys. What up? Ryan, Father. Ryan, Ryan. Ryan. Doctor. Ryan. Father. Father. Ryan. Ryan. Great. Okay, we got it. Great. Welcome to this this edition of the Catholic Talk Show. We are coming at you from Hollywood. Yes, sir. But this place is always up to that good, good. Oh, yeah. Holy wood, baby. It's a holy. Holy. So today we have, it's the the seven weird. So what we're going to talk about today is seven weird things you may have missed in the Bible. Right. Now, you know. I haven't missed much in the Bible. I. I know it all. So that's because you've placed yourself in the Bible like you should in a good Lexio Divina. And you are the weirdest person I think I've ever met, Ryan Delacrosse. I mean, let's face it. Well, let's put it this way. You guys are both in seminary together and only one of you is wearing a collar. So I really doubt that you know everything about the Bible. All right. (laughs) I don't know what to say about that. (laughs) So, you know, I mean, I think most people out there listening, whether you're Catholic, Christian, or even just you know, aware that the Bible exists, which is just about everyone, you know, you've you've heard most of the stories that, you know, you think comprise the Bible. You've heard Noah's Ark. You've heard, you know, Jesus walking on water. You've heard the story of the nativity. Don't forget Moses. And Moses, right? That's my neighbor's I, name. His who, name's Moses. Yeah. yeah. Do you really have a neighbor named Moses? Yeah. And I haven't met him? Moises. Moises. Yes, Moises. With an I. Yes. I. Sorry, we're, we were talking about something. <laughs> So, you know, oh, wait, wait, wait. So we're, we're doing the seven weirdest things in the Bible, right? But at the end of the show, we are going to, we're going to ask Father Richard a question we don't think he can answer. It's not about the Bible. It's about something else. Let's see if that extra couple of years in the seminary that he got that you didn't pays uh-huh. off. Yeah, because so you- I went to Wikipedia. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> These fingers are moving <laughs> over here. So yeah, you know the Bible. It's you know it's it's a lot more than just the stories that you've heard. There are some obscure things in there. There's some pretty you know weird, weird, weird <laughs> things in there. Um, and there's and there's things that I just don't think most people are aware of that are in the Bible. And you know right. we want to talk about those today. Yeah, I'm all for the weird. Cue the music. Da, da, da. And let's get weird. The seven weirdest things in the Bible. Weird, weird, now, weird. I hear, and I don't, I probably should have read the, the show notes, but I didn't. <laughs> and I didn't either. Yes. Uh, Uh-oh. What kind of seminary did we go to? I don't know. I'm I not going like- to name your bishop. <laughs> your, bis- your bishop's at home weeping right now listening to this. <laughs> um, yeah, but so I did I- read the Bible. Yes, you, you, yes, that's ca- good. You're Catholic and that's you read the Bible? <laughs> Believe it or not. I didn't think that happened. Yeah. I thought yeah. that was just Protestants. <laughs> he reads it every day. Oh, sure. wow. Every day. I saw one in his back. That's why that Liturgy yeah. of the Hours is so cool, man. It's like you're coming in contact with the scriptures every day. Mm. Five five hours in the day. Yeah. The sweetness of Jesus. Right sweetness. There. Sweet mm. baby Jesus. Sorry, we were interrupting you. <laughs> no, that's all right. Hey, hey, it's not just the Ryan show. It's the Ryan and Ryan and Father Rich show. So, yeah. yeah. That's cool. It's the Catholic talk show. That's right. With Ryan and Ryan. Ryan. And Ryan. And Father Rich. Yeah, I'll be there too. TM. Father Rich. Father Rich. All right. So what are we going to talk about first? The unicorns? So, yeah, you know, that's, you know. There's unicorns in the Bible? There's unicorns in the Bible. Father Rich, did you know that? I did. (laughs) And on top of that, on my chalice that was given to me prior to my ordination. Don't say you have a unicorn on it. I have a unicorn. No, you don't. You okay. have a unicorn And a pelican and a lion. Uh, okay. Is I get those too. Yeah. 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 You have it seriously. No, seriously, it. I have a unicorn on my chalice, never, on the stem of my chalice. I, I would brag about that. It's kind of private, Ryan. That's why. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> uh, uh, 
<laughs> it's my unicorn. It's my unicorn okay. and my chalice, okay? Well, you know, in the Middle Ages, uh, medieval times, uh, uh, you know, it was a symbol of Christ. Uh, you know, if you look at the cloisters in New York, it's a very famous uh, artwork of the tapestries that shows the hunt of the unicorn. And it's an allegory for Christ that a pure, unique, and spotless being is hunted unjustly because of its unique nature. So throughout the, you know, throughout the art of that time, uh, allegories of Christ were often, you know, portrayed as a Bible, I'm sorry, as a unicorn, but that, that comes from the fact that the people of the time understood that unicorns were in the Bible, but are they really in the Bible or is it really just kind of a translation thing? Mm. So, you know. So you gotta go back to the Greek. Well. Or the Hebrew. Basically, yeah. So, you know, <laughs> it, when you translate the Bible into English, you know, from the Latin Vulgate, which happened, you know, around those times, um, there really isn't a word for some of the words that, you know, come over from the language translation. So, you know, in the Dewey Rames, there is unicorns mentioned seven times. Uh, Psalm 21, Psalm 28, Psalm 77, Psalm 91, uh, Isaiah 34. And that being the most literal of all the translations, at least the attempt right. of that translation. Was very literal. Right. So it was originally a mystical being, right? And and it really didn't have a shape and then eventually took the shape of a unicorn. Not, Why are you laughing at me? Not really. So This is a weird thing in the Bible, I Father know, Rich. Man, I'm trying to stick with you here, Ryan. But, you know, get your mouth I'm, next hey, to it. So not, do, but not there. really. I mean, the word unicorn is in the Dewey Rames Bible. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, for example, uh, Isaiah 34, 7, and the unicorn shall go down with them and the bulls with the mighty, their land shall be soaked with blood and their ground with the fat of fat ones, right? So I, that's pretty gory business there, yeah. but, you know, they mentioned unicorns, but really, you know, if you look at the Latin word where unicorn comes from, it's from unicornis or unis, one, and corn, which means a horn. And really, that's what they're talking about is a rhinoceros. Gotcha. A rhinoceros was known to the people of the biblical times. That was a that was an animal that was aware to them. Mm -hmm. So it was a one-horned animal, so unicornis. So then the translation being literal, they translated it into unicorn. Gotcha. And then that became... And that might have been before unicorns ever became something, right? I mean, like, isn't this a recent phenomenon, unicorns? Because... Well, no, I'd, we just talked about how they were in the, you know, the medieval times. But once again, like in the seminary, I mean, Ryan is not paying attention. Right. <laughs> okay. Hi. Uh, welcome to the Catholic talk show. <laughs> Hi. Well, you're wearing a rhinoceros on your shirt there, Ryan. Isn't that crazy? Oh, I love it. Can you believe it? Right a close up of that. Well, yeah. <laughs> I came prepared. That's yeah. It's very topical. The fact that like yeah. a, a mythological creature would be hunted, such a beautiful unicorn. It comes to mind like this whole idea of what is in the nature of man to seize and take control over rare items and rare things. Mm -hmm. And they're willing to go to any extent to seize it and to, to have power over it. And it's a really beautiful analogy in a way to Christ because he is uniquely not only just man, but he's God. God becomes man. 
and the most unique form of the fulfillment of man is before us. And look how he was hunted down and, and ultimately mm-hmm. killed. And I think we can treat each other that way in, in so many different circles of, of power and wrestling for different, you know, maneuvering for different things. You know, we can we can see that in politics. We could see that among nations. We could see that in our own lines of employment. And that is what's most base about the right. human person and what's most inclined towards sin. But what is the greatest and most sublime thing is that we can actually be moved to wonder and awe. And I find myself not wanting to wield the power of Christ as a priest or, you know, the sacramentally or whatever. You know, I am in persona Christi when I'm celebrating the Eucharist or baptism or reconciliation. But what I what I'm fascinated by is the fact that before this wonderful gift to the church, I'm in wonder and awe and I don't want to seize power over it. I just want to behold it. And I think beholding the power and the beauty of God is something that unlocks the human person and makes us more like God and unlocks that image within us. Yeah. And uh, even as a father, you know, I see in my children, my wife and I, we we go out to dinner and, you know, we're getting away from the kids, but we're really not. We go and we we, we talk about them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what's so beautiful is like we see this uniqueness inside of them, Mm -hmm. right? And as parents, you want that that little gem, that spark of how God made them, this uniqueness, you want it to flourish, right? You want it to, to come to its fullest potential because you believe that God put that there. And and so here it is, you know, you're you're wielding this power over it, meaning, you know, you kind of squash it or, you know, you, you teach them to recognize it, right? And, and to bring it to others, you know? Mm-hmm. From a, a, a father's per- perspective, I, I can totally see that. Mm-hmm. I never... Knew I would see that through unicorns, but yeah. So here, you know, here's something that you're weird. weird so it's a weird Bible thing. It's inside your Bible. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, talking about kids, I'm sure this is something that might have come up in your house because we know how the Delacrosse kids can get. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in Ezekiel, there's a recipe where God commands that people um, eat bread that's been baked over human poop. Is this Ooh. like a penitential thing? <laughs> It is, or is it a house? delicacy? <laughs> <laughs> it's a delicacy. <laughs> it's a delicacy to eat bread over poop. Uh, so no, this is you know I think this is uh, happening during uh, the times of siege and exile. Mm-hmm. You know um, when the Babylonians, yeah. and the Babylonian captivity, and I think it's really a sign of weeping and mourning. But uh, Ezekiel four twelve says that. Um, well, let's let's take it back a little bit. Uh, Ezekiel eleven. And the water you drink shall be a sixth of hin by measure. Each day you shall drink it. And the barley cake you eat must bake on human ex- excrement in the sight of all. Do, do they get to put a grill over it? I mean, at least... Is a it grilled poop or grilled bread? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's not like no, they is had... Is it touching the poop? I mean... No, it's a is touching it adding the poop. flavor to it? So I, I'm going to get They're using it as fuel. They're using this fuel. I got it. I, got I saw it. the shift. You are getting serious. I'm getting serious right He's now. He's getting serious. All right. Go. So, yeah, so like the exile, this is like this is this is the uh Israelites like the, the, they've gone through a few of them, right? And and it's because they've they've disobeyed God and they and they get scattered, right? That's right. So the 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 Lord's uh the uh, God scatters them and during that scattering they fall victim to a lot of nations, a lot of religions. Um you know, plagues, you know, and all that. So, so, you know, I mean, they, they were without food. I mean, so this is like a really deep 
you know, spiritual thing for the Israelites, right? So which exile was, was this one? If it's in Ezekiel. Babylonian exile. Babylonian. Yeah. So, yeah, he says, turning your face toward the siege of Jerusalem with bared arm, you shall prophesy against it. So, you know, it really is happening within this context. But, um, you know, during, you know, the Old Testament times, uh, poop was one of the, you know, most common sources of energy. You know, they didn't have oil. They didn't have gas. They had poop. Uh, they had olive oil and they had poop. I mean, That's and a lot of your, a lot of the candles and a lot of the heat and a lot of your fires were started by, you know, typically, you know, beast of burden poop. And what a what a resource that is readily available. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, no, and that's the thing. I mean, what are you carrying in exile? You're not carrying much, but you're, you're carrying you, your poop. You can't. <laughs> See this right this here? This is, is where so I keep hard. my poop. This is where I keep my poop. It's in my, my pouch. <laughs> Some of us have larger pouches. I've been, my I've been building my pouch for a long time. Gosh. No, but I mean, it's it's resources that are readily available. And then the other aspect is like that penitential aspect, right? Like looking at in exile, entering into a period of time of recognizing what you had that is now no longer within yeah. your hands. And, you know, th this uncomfortable reality that is exile is perfectly within the life, the livelihood yeah. of all of the Israelites. Yeah. And there has to be a penitential act before God to say, God, I recognize mm -hmm. what you gave to me and I mistreated it. How many times do you hear that in a lot of conversions, mm -hmm. you know, conversion stories? You know, these conversion are... stories of people cooking bread over poop? No, gosh, God. dude. Truth be told, <laughs> guys, when I went through my conversion... <laughs> I, I was at the Sua. Poop spread <laughs> bread. Oh my gosh. I was really I was really at a low point in my life when I was <laughs> I set some poop on fire and cooked the hot pocket over it. Hot pocket. <laughs> What's the next topic? Yeah. Weird. Well, you know, so weird, you know, real quick to finish up on this, you it's know. Weird on it. Um you know, you know, God is telling Ezekiel that, you know, because of the the wickedness of the, you know, of of Israel. I'm driving you among the nations and you're going to have to eat unclean foods. It's a way of him saying, I'm symbolically breaking you away from this covenant where you shall mm -hmm. not, not eat anything, you know, impure. And Ezekiel says, you know, I've never eaten anything defiled. I've never eaten carrion or anything, you know, touched by wild beasts or anything. So God relents and says, I'll tell you what, instead of having to use human dung, you can, you can use cow manure instead. So oh. God relented and had mercy on them. Wow, I count it. That, that sounds better. God is good. Yeah. yeah. Dumb. God is good. Praise God is good. Dumb. Dumb. You know, when you think about manure, <laughs> we're dumb. You know, one time I was in class when I was a little kid, and I was, is this Brian? Will you read it? It's some book about a horse or something like that. And I said manure. <laughs> I was in the third grade and the teacher And everybody like, laughed at you. Everybody laughed at me. They're all going to laugh at manure. you. Manure. Yeah, man. You know what else makes manure? What? Donkeys. Donkey manure. Is that in yeah. the Bible too? Not, well, I'm sure. I mean, I don't think Somewhere. they explicitly talk about donkeys, you know, making manure. Yeah. But they do talk about donkeys talking. There's oh. a talking donkey in the Bible. Oh, oh. Actually, I do remember that. Yeah. So yeah, in, in the book of Numbers, there's Blom's talking donkey. You read the book of Numbers? You didn't? Oh my goodness gracious. Yeah, I've opened it. <laughs> so I did this thing where I was trying to read the entire Bible um, straight through. Oh, that's tough. 
in, in adoration. <laughs> oh, God bless one, you, brother. The whole thing and at one. Was no, this no, a penitential no, act? To go more. No, this was like over you the course of a couple, couple poop, months. You didn't want to do the bread, but you wanted to do this penitential act? Uh, I was given the choice of, you know, poop bread or <laughs> reading the Bible straight through. I, you know, I think I picked the better lot, right? <laughs> No, but yeah, no, I, I read the book of Numbers. I got to, you know, I was reading all the way through and I got to the book of Numbers and, um, you know, I was doing one in the morning. Wow. And, you know, that's, you know, I oh, had, numbers is he tough, doesn't sleep, especially though. at one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, but, you know, I, one time, so there's a, there's a little bell on the church door and for the next person to come in, because there's only one person in the church at a time, and they ring the bell and you go let them in because the church is locked up. Yeah. And uh, I was reading Numbers and I fell asleep Ooh, in the yeah. chapel and the things just bzz, 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 and I'm just drooling on the book of numbers, you know. Oh, yeah. Ooh, I like that. That's what a happened. Good story. Yeah, it's, it's, there should be a commentary written on the book of numbers. I think Saint Basil did that. Yeah, but to name it that, like drooling on the book of numbers. No, mm. it's Saint Basil just drooled. It and just then, drooled. It, it, it's it's a holy relic, you know. It's first class. <laughs> so. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I want to venerate I that relic. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I have, it. <laughs> I have it under my altar. <laughs> so anyway, Balaam, he was a sorcerer, right? Are you talking about the Bible? Yeah, I'm talking about the okay. Bible. We're talking about numbers, right? The book of numbers. The book of numbers. Number 22. It's in the Bible. It's right in there. It's, the Bible, it's upstairs. The reading's coming from upstairs. Weird. Okay. So Balaam was a <laughs> sorcerer, and he was hired by the king of the Moabites. That's first to curse the Israelites because the Israelites were coming to, you know, take possession of the Holy Land. And um, so the king promised to pay Balaam to curse the Israelites. So he's like, cool, I'm a sorcerer. That's the kind of stuff I do, right? I'm all for it. So he gets on his donkey and he starts, you know, trotting off to go and lay it down on the Israelites. And um, God's angel appeared and the donkey saw it, but Balaam didn't. And the donkey was freaking out and wouldn't move anymore. <laughs> So Balaam's yelling at the, you know, he's yelling at the animal. He's hitting. He's like, come on, move, dude. Let's move it, right? I got to go, you know, curse the Israelites. And um, he, the donkey wouldn't move. So finally he starts hitting it. He keeps on hitting and yelling. And finally the donkey goes, uh, you know, Balaam, what have I done to you to make you hit me three times? <laughs> okay, so so was it the donkey that spoke to him or was it the word of the lord it was the donkey okay it was the donkey it was the actual donkey the, the, the word donkey of the lord did not come through that donkey no and, okay gotcha but maybe that's I don't pretty know. creepy yeah. yeah it could have been the angel could have been the donkey yeah i mean so so what happened what's how does the uh, story end i know but i'm just for father, the, for father the listeners saying, out there saying. they all well, probably look, want to know cuz like i mean sorcerer like me. sorcerer or not i mean your donkey you know if your ass starts talking yeah, it's gonna it's gonna mess you up, right? You're like I didn't even wave my wand yeah, over you, did. and you're doing it. You he know? was pretty messed up after right. Ryan. Yeah, <laughs> he needed shook therapy him to the core. Therapy. So no, yeah, he he was he was um he was pretty messed up. He was pretty shook. So he's like, he he got on he got on you know him and the donkey made up. He stopped beating him up, right? <laughs> and then he and then he. So it's a love story. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> So no, so no, he, uh, you know, he tells, you know, he finally is able to see the angel and the angel, you know, he says, look, you're right. I get what's going on here. I've sinned against the Lord. And he, he jumped back on the talking donkey and he went back and I don't. Did you know that that was in the Bible? Um, I, I, this is for our in the listeners. book of numbers. Okay. Um, well, I'm asking the confirm. listeners. Okay. Yeah. Did you know? <laughs> did you know? 
I want to ask you now, Ryan. I've, I, I've heard of donkeys before. You have? Yeah. Yeah. They teach you that at seminary? I didn't read. I, I admit. I didn't I did I didn't know about the talking donkey. I didn't know that Jesus rode that Jesus rode into Jerusalem. On the donkey. Right? Yeah. I, I Yeah, and it was some it, Jesus said, You go and you find the guy next to the donkey and you ask him for the donkey. Now I can't know? confirm this, but I believe I heard a story, an extra biblical tradition that Balaam's donkey was one of the ancestors of the donkey that Jesus rode into. <laughs> That's where Jerusalem. I was going with this. Is like, what are we doing with this? Where can See, Father it's sink It's always his? that the, the book of Numbers, man, because it just traces that lineage. And when we look at the lineage of the donkey. Oh, man. I mean, that's amazing. We are seriously messing a lot of people up right now. Oh, right? I know. They're thinking that these brains are blown. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, click, next tab. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're probably watching YouTube right now. I'm Netflix. shutting this This tab is muted. Right now. <laughs> so, you know, actually, that's a perfect segue into the next thing that you probably didn't know is in the Bible. Um, weird thing. Well, not necessarily weird, so but strange. something you didn't know in there. Did you know St. Paul once gave a sermon so boring that he killed a man from it? Yes. One of my favorite stories. I love it. And then afterwards, he he's like, okay, I just raised you from the dead, right? And for, for me, if I was, if you were a priest and you just like raised somebody, you would be there like praising God, like, oh my gosh, right? This guy's like, I'm going to go back upstairs and preach right now. <laughs> I use this all the time thinking about how long my homilies are. And I look at the people and they sleep, seem like they're snoozing or they're dead. And I'm like, hey, if you're dead, I'm gonna about to rise you, rise you straight up out of your grave. Go back, preach. Go back. Yeah, yeah he, he was a pretty intense dude. Saint oh, Paul. St. Paul. Like, I mean, he was filled with fire, man. Oh, man. Fire. You know what he was not filled with? The use of commas or punctuation. It's, oh, it's yeah. so true. Oh, just when you're lecturing over a letter or an oh, epistle man. of Paul, it's like... <gasps> Does this end? Oh, you got to take a Is deep there breath. A period anywhere? Is there a semicolon? He's mastered that. I don't, I don't know. know. Oh, any, I don't know of any writers that. Well, you know, Greek and Hebrew didn't have punctuation anyway. But I mean, it should have at least been implied. And apparently, the translators didn't right. either. Yeah, right. They're, they're just yeah. like, I don't see it in here. I don't know mm. what to do here. I've never seen this before. But those long run-on sentences. I've spent so much time in prayer over Pauline literature. And when you start opening them up, and because they are so long-winded, it just helps you really like, let me crack this open and mm -hmm. see exactly what he's yeah. saying. And yeah. I've been fed so deeply by the letters of St. Paul throughout the years, mm -hmm. and I'm just so grateful. But something that has been in commentaries around St. Paul is that he had a hook nose. He wasn't that, you know, you don't remember this from scripture class, Ryan? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> my brain's pretty much a muck now with five <laughs> small kids. I just... And I forgot my mother. He had a very, <laughs> he had a very very ruddy appearance. Like he he wasn't uh, he wasn't appealing. Kind of like my face. He was not he was not a handsome. He man. wasn't a handsome looking guy. And on top of that, he was very very long winded. He was short too. He was right? short. Yeah. Right. So he had all these things against him in ways. Mm -hmm. But he just continued to preach the word and he continued yeah. to go out to every corner of the earth that he could step foot on mm. just to proclaim the power and authority of the name of Jesus Christ. Now, what if what if it was all a clever ploy by him to speak the most boring sermon to get someone to fall asleep and fall to their death from a window to demonstrate so the power of God? By raising See, him up. I mean, this goes that sounds like an amazing tactic. Yeah, I'm, mysterious ways, Padre. Yeah, can, yeah. It, can you pull that off? I'm going to start applying that. I'm going to see what happens. I think that's a good idea. Uh, yeah. yeah. Let's begin right now. I, I've, I've been to your mass before. It's You're getting there. 
Yeah. I'm getting there. You're getting there. <laughs> I thought I was getting briefer. So yeah, he was, you know, he's preaching and the, the guy was sitting in the window and, you know, this is going what, on what and on. What book is this in? This is in Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter, I got to remember that. So yeah, he's, he's, he's in the window because, <laughs> luck. you know, they're, you know, they're within the city place and, you know, the house at the time were usually two to three stories at the most. So it's probably third story. I don't think, you know, mm. if this guy died from a second story fall, Kind of probably a weak dude anyway. Let probably that be yeah, I mean, come on. You better bounce up from that. Yeah, dude. If you fall from one on. story, two stories, you should make oh, it. Oh, yeah. Let that be a lesson to all you people who fall asleep during homilies out there. The Lord's coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> and he's not going to throw you off of the second floor. He's going to throw you off of the third or the, the fourth floor. floor. You're going you up going to come tower. back after that. So oh, pay man. attention yep. to the priests for heaven's sake. So, so here's my favorite part of this, actually. This is my favorite part. So... You know, you know, uh, he falls. Um, Paul goes down, raises him back to life, and this is exactly what it says. Now that you know, he falls in Acts twenty nine. So then, in ten, Paul raises him. In Acts twenty eleven, it says, "Then he returned upstairs, broke the bread, and ate." After a long conversation that lasted until daybreak, he departed. Like, dude, did you learn your lesson? Like, I mean. There's probably like a Bruce Willis, you know, movie in there. Just bodies falling everywhere. St. Paul's body count was like reaching double digits. And then I like that they specify after a long conversation. Oh, my oh, gosh. Oh, that's Well, maybe they were conversing with him, you know, instead of him preaching. Maybe he's like, I got to get these guys involved a little bit, you know? Some, some priests do that during the homily. They go, hey, you know. I have to say, though, the there's been moments in the act of preaching where I get hit by the Holy Spirit so strongly and I feel like I can go on and on and on ad infinitum, like just mm. keep on preaching this goodness. Mm. And it's almost like I'm receiving it in the moment of giving it. Yeah. And knowing that it's purely coming from God and in and through experience of the act of preaching, I could see how Paul could just not stop. Because right. it's a it's a love yep. it's a love affair it's the divine romance, and in that moment of preaching, at least for me, it's like I don't want this time to ever end. Mm -hmm. And and he was formed so intensely, you oh, know. I mean, goodness. like the guy was like, I've always wondered what he did when he went away to Arabia. You know, it says in the Bible that after, you know, he went and stayed in uh, Damascus and had his conversion. I mean, you know, his eye state was restored. He went to. Arabia for three years. And I always thought that was a weird thing to make sure that they noted because mm. I'm sure Paul made sure that was in there, but I don't think I've ever really heard any, uh, you know, any additional information on that. Hmm. Who were there? Any of the apostles there? I think Philip went to Arabia at one point, but I'm not positive about that. I could be wrong. If anyone's listening and I'm wrong, yeah. just, you know, Wikipedia. don't comment. Yeah. Or yeah, look Wikipedia. it up. Because Father Rich doesn't know because he's not saying anything. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's well, the book of Arab. It never got into the Bible, okay? But he wrote it, all right? So St. Paul, there's legends of him even making it all the way out to Spain, mm. into France, into northern Gaul, right? I wouldn't doubt it. And it just shows, again, his passion mm. to spread the gospel. Nothing is going to hold him back. No fear, Damn. right? So the apostles, we even see St. Thomas, who's one of my greatest patrons, and I turn to him all the time. I've prayed at his tomb in mm. India. And great saint for me because of all the doubts that I've experienced throughout my journey. And he's always been that one to turn to. 
But, you know, Thomas was filled with doubt and he was filled with different fears. And God always led him to overcome those fears to take the gospel out. For somebody like Paul, Paul, who wasn't an intimate apostle who journeyed with Christ in his three years of public ministry, Paul is one who receives this divine revelation from Jesus himself. Yeah. And it comes at the behest of all of the persecution that he had brought into the church and all of the bloodshed at his hands. And you could just see him working out his salvation in fear and trembling. Yeah. You know, yeah. not only in the scriptures does it say that, but in his own life, living that out, he wanted to go to the furthest ends of the world that he could reach to spread what he experienced. Yeah, and there's a special dynamic I think he had because he persecuted Christians, you know, and he was on the other side of that coin and, and him just going out there intensely preaching this gospel, you know, I mean, like, he wasn't afraid of anything because he was the most feared, right? I mean, this guy was, a lot of the Christians were afraid of him. So I just think God uses all of our, you know, all the things that we do that are sinful, that it's, it's, there's part of that that's good in us, not the sin, but there's part of us in there that we can find and turn towards God and be that much more useful for his kingdom. All right. So, Here's another thing in the Bible that I don't think a lot of people uh, know. I I think it's a contentious thing in our society today. Is it weird? It's <laughs> got to be weird. This is the weird show. It's pretty weird. Don't do this to us, Ryan. We're expecting weird. Give it to us. It says right in the Bible, Jesus hates figs. What? What? God hates figs. Oh. Is that why he did that to the fig tree? <gasps> remember? Oh, yeah, I remember nah, that, You guys Ryan. remember this one? He's like, I'm taking all the figs off the tree. Ew. I really don't no, like figs sorry, either. That, you don't like fig, fig news, no, dude. I love figs. Fig news, that's disgusting. I was in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, I was oh. in Jerusalem, and I had some you figs. You went in Jerusalem? I went to Jerusalem. Show your tattoo that you got in Jerusalem. Yeah, Jerusalem. Man, look at that. Look at that. Oh, yeah, man. Did I, I like that. that to you? Oh, yeah, yeah. This is, a ta- this is one of the oldest tattoos there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I what mean, was I, the guy's name? Uh, Zurak. Razuk. 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 That is such a cool story. Same family given tattoos there. For 13, 700 years, but his family goes back 1,300 years to Egypt. Yep. Same family. I feel like going you, to get a tattoo on my chest. You want to know something really funny? I was sitting in there getting my tattoo. I had my Priest arm life. out like this. <laughs> oh, my God. Priest <laughs> life. Priest life. Uh, no, I was getting a tattoo. It's going to be a unicle. <laughs> <laughs> what is that, a unicorn? <gasps> yeah, it's the one from my chalice. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah, you know, and I think this is one of the weirdest things in the Bible to me is that, um, you know, they're leaving Bethany and Jesus is hungry and he looks at a tree. And he, I think this is the only time that Jesus kind of like, eh, I don't know, used his powers like I would have used them. I'm like, there's, dude, there's nothing on that tree, you know, and killed the tree, cursed it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, you know, I think it stands Why out. Why not? I mean, I think it really stands out as the only time that, you see Jesus using his powers differently. And I think it's a very bizarre. Was he trying to teach something? Huh? Did you know, it's, it's really short. It doesn't really give any kind of exposition. And he doesn't go on to talk about it and say, you know, the kingdom of God is like a dead fig tree. Mm. It just says he, he was hungry. There's no figs on it. And then he cursed it and said, may no one ever eat of your fruit again. And his disciples heard it. How, how are you translating that into he doesn't like figs? 
I mean, he just might have just been mad and been like, I know, I just, it's I'm the Dewey Rames, okay, Ryan? Get with the translation. No, this, dude, this, okay. is from the, this is from the NABRE. Oh! Yeah. So here's, I'm using that official a... bishop stuff right there. <laughs> so uh, what I don't understand is why why does Jesus, uh, why are we discerning here and, and we're looking at this and we're saying Jesus doesn't like fig trees? I don't think it's that he doesn't like. What if he like... was mad and he was just like, I'm just cursing the next thing that I see? The thing, that, like I, that, the thing that I look at is like, God in his creation of man sends us out to be fruitful and to multiply. And when there is no fruit that is coming out that is proper and good, what is left to the tree but to be used as kindling for the fire? Ashes. 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 Fig. Burning figs. Burn a fig. Have you ever burnt a fig? No. You no, this is the first I've heard. Uh, yeah, actually, I actually did over, hu- over human dung. Spread a little bit of bread. Spread a little over the bread. It's got a nice roasted flavor. <laughs> Grill the fig it's, and put it on top. Yeah, I call it a unicorn sandwich. It's amazing. <laughs> I feed him to my donkey. Weird. Weird stuff. It's in your Bible. It's oh, weird. It. <laughs> it's not a bad dish. So you're married, right? I am. I'm married. Show the rang. Bang. Bang. Nice. Bang, bang. Padre, you married? That's what yeah. I thought. Good. Yeah. Some, some, priests wear, some priests wear a ring, right? Yeah, sometimes on the pinky, sometimes <laughs> on the, the ring. The, Ita- on the, the like, Italian the priest. Italian, my, my Italian, very good Italian priest friend of mine, Sal DeFazio. Yeah. Sal DeFazio. Oh, yeah, that's his name, Sal DeFazio. Good guy. You know Sal, right? I know Sal. You know yeah. Sal. I mean, He's a Sal, deacon, though, isn't no, he? No, he was a deacon. Oh, and then he out. became a priest. It's if you would have stuck process, around in seminary, right? you would have understood that process. That's what happens, right? Yeah. Oh. You become a deacon, and then you become a priest. I thought he was married. He was married, but he was a late vocation. Okay. you got to give him some credit here. Thoroughly a New York Italian. Yeah. Right? Definitely. Gold all over the place. He had we a pinky know ring. anything about that. He probably. had an index finger with a lot of gold on it. Nice. The guy had like three chains around his neck. We call us Guidos. Guido, and he used to love just to unbutton his shirt down to like yeah. the middle of let his the stomach. Hair come out. Yeah. Just, just looks let like his hair come dark out. colored ramen noodles. Oh Sounds yeah, like- and then the gold is like interlaced between all this forest of hair. It's <laughs> oh, quite frightening. <laughs> the Italians just coming out of you. It's just a forest of hair. He had, he had a open heart surgery and I was praying with him before he went in. And the pre- like, and the doctors there with the weed whacker. <laughs> And, and he's like, Richard, you got to get my gold off of me. <laughs> so I, I take his ring. I put one ring on my pinky, another ring. You know, and then I take his gold chains and I take them off. And I'm like pulling them off of his chest. You put them in a garbage bag. Like, oh, yeah, he carried his big bag full of gold. I did half of the work of the surgeon. I just like ripped off half of his hair from his chest. <laughs> and then I put the gold on it. But this is a crazy story. So on his gold chain, he had his deceased wife's. Uh, miraculous metal. Mm. And he was freaked out. His heart stopped. He thought he was going to die. Guys lived the life of Job. And he had two miraculous medals on his chest when the surgeons prepped him. And I literally took his chains off with my two, ha- my two fingers, my, uh, my index and my thumb fingers, and I put it right on my neck. No way that they would have been able to fall off the chain. Somehow, both of those miraculous medals were right over his heart, and the doctors or the the prep team prepped him, got the miraculous medals, showed it to him, and then he went in for surgery, and it was a successful surgery, thanks wow. be to God. But it was a really it was a really cool story about uh you know Italians with all the gold. Well, yeah, I mean I got an uncle Larry Lanny. He oh, sounds Larry! A lot, he sounds a lot. Larry Lanny. You got good genes, Delacrosse. Genes. <laughs> 
See, great jeans. My family's growth. Slovenian, and I, I looked it up the other day. You know, the actual village they're from. It's uh, by car, twenty minutes from the Italian border. Hmm. And I'm really glad that my ancestors had the good sense not to cross <laughs> that border because I'd be like you two. Right? Oh, and we'd be having a great time in here. Like, yeah, something's got to give. Something's got to give. Nothing would have happened. Got to give. You got to have a Slovenian here. Keep be a part of moving along. Be at one with us, Ryan Shield. Last weird thing. So we started right. talking about marriage before we got Focus. before we got uh, lost in the woods of Sal DeFazio's chest hair. <laughs> <laughs> Boys, dance some woods there. Yeah, there's something to talk about a jungle. There's a real jungle in there. It's like a forest. I saw it with my own eyes. I should be the one. I tell you. So weird. Back in the day, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Did you give Did you give Jen's dad anything when you married her as a dowry? Uh, <laughs> I had nothing. I gave him some uh, macaroni and cheese. Macaroni and cheese. In the, uh, in the reception. Nice. It's his reception. And yeah. you sous vide some uh, I, I bought some macaroni and cheese. I had a DJ that looked like Robin Williams. Oh, oh yeah. It was him, probably. No, no, no. no. He's, just looks he's like a lookalike. He looked just like him, yeah. Was he a funny too. guy? Some cake. Cake? Ooh, I bought cake. him some cake. Yeah, Ooh. I bought the cake. Was yeah. it with ice cream? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, there's some ice cream there. Some. Nice. It was it was a wedding. It was a classy affair all the way around. It, it was a wedding reception. That's <laughs> that's my dowry. That's right. all the money I had back then. Now look at me. I'm in Hollywood. Would you <laughs> look at it? Yeah, you've come the a long Lord way. Has blessed me. So what would you have done if uh, Jen's dad had said, you know, uh, you know, I'll let you marry Jen, but you got to bring me a hundred foreskins. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so so how how would uh, how would Adela Cross handle that? Uh, <laughs> how would Adela Cross handle that? I would uh, I'd I, go I, talk I, to a Jewish rabbi. <laughs> I'd be like, what are you doing with those things? I'd have, I to, really love I'd have to attend a lot of brisses. <laughs> <laughs> Just have like a collection plate. So who in the world asked, what? It, where is this in the Bible? Because so this is the it book. somehow escaped my reading. Right. Because yeah, you were, you know, snoozing through seminary, not reading this stuff. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, David wants to marry King Saul's daughter. And... Uh, Saul doesn't, Saul's not really all about it, right? So Saul's like, sure, you can marry my daughter, but you need to bring me a hundred Philistine foreskins, like trophies of war. Like you need to go out there and Whoa. smote. <laughs> That's some serious smoke. That's some man. smoting right there. Boy. Oh, Smoking man. them foreskins. Right. You would not want to run in that guy's no, path man. before he gets Definitely <laughs> not. Hi, how you doing? Gotta go. Gotta go. <laughs> so Saul's Saul's basically like, yeah, you can marry my daughter, but then sends him on a suicide mission. So what does David do? Mm-mm. He comes back yeah. with the foreskins. Yeah, with how many? 100. Wrong. 150? Wrong. Dang it. 200. Two, ooh. Jeez. 200 foreskins. That's, I think that's a lot of foreskins. That's one bad mother. Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. Andre. David. Yeah, dude. He was, He's a bad mother, man. David was an absolute, he was yeah. an absolute unit. Mm. Total unit. Oh, man. Powerful. Well, uh, I don't want to ask for any pastoral guidance on this matter. So what's <laughs> next in the show? Is this the last of what we got here? Yeah, we- so uh, yeah, we're going to end it with foreskins. No, no, we're going to end it. Oh, no, you know what's funny? We're going to end it with the Inquisition. Cue the music of chopping oh, something. Great. Here comes oh. my head. What a great way to bring That's that in. Right. Comes my head. Yeah, did you plan that? No, you didn't. No, or did this I? It's all, it's all God. You Italians were over there not doing it. I'm over here writing plans and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm over here goofing off. Yeah, you Are guys over there. Crayons? Crayons. <laughs> is those crayons over there? All right. All right. Inquisition, uh, Padre. So this is the Inquisition, Padre. This is, this is the time where we. I'm not as fearful of you guys because, as I would be of David right no. now. 
No, yeah. it's not. No, not yeah, we're, that, we're, no, it's not like that. The Inquisition now, hold on. The Inquisition is a part of the show where we try to stump you or give you a question that's very difficult to answer, and we're expecting you to, you know. And you have less than. Fail. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. we're expecting yeah. you to fail. Okay. Yeah. You have less than two minutes to answer. Well, I'm okay. It's, oh, less than two minutes. I think so. Can I research? No. You're welcome. Okay. You're welcome. Person may only receive communion in the state of grace. Correct, right? Mm. True. True. Siamese twins. One is not in the state of grace. One is in the state of grace. They share the same body. By taking communion... Only Ryan Shield would be knowledgeable of something like this. Okay, yes. So they share the the same stomach. One takes communion in a state of grace, but the other one was not in a state of grace. Do they bring... Do they bring something bad on themselves? And then, if not, one dies in a state of grace and one does not. Are they separated in the afterlife? Don't they die together? Is it Siamese? Yeah, they do. So if one dies in the state of grace and one doesn't, what happens? What are you going to do? What do you got, Padre? Come on, answer, Padre. What do you got? Two minutes. Let's go. I truly believe this. This is what Pope Francis has uh, catechized very well in his pontificate, is before God, we are always a sinner, you know, sinful. And this whole concept of state of grace is an important thing because... As a human person, we are most human when we are free. And sins that we collect over time in our experience of of, uh, taking advantage of situations and, and falling into sin, it limits our freedom. And we need God's grace and his forgiveness and his mercy to set us aright so that we may enter into other relationships free of things that may damage You sound like you're stalling. Okay, I'm thinking. (laughs) (laughs) So here's the thing. Eucharist is not a reward for the righteous. It is medicine for the sick. Mm. And when it comes to our sinfulness, um, we have to look at it in a way where consciously, this one Siamese twin who has entered into mortal sin and the other one who's not, you know, both of them are coming with their own consciousness, and their own um, yeah. receptivity to God's yeah. mercy. And it's for both of them even, but for the one that's receiving, there's no violation there of receiving the Holy Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And for the one that may not, that she is in need of going to confession before receiving the Eucharist, you know, and dies in that state before God, we are sinners in need of a savior. And I always lean in the direction of God's mercy and I've never gone wrong. And I don't think any of us will. So I may not be answering it accurately. That's a great answer. You know, you you maybe think, yeah, good job. Very nice. Uh, You you made me think about it's all, it's all about the, the situation too. Mm -hmm. I mean, a Siamese twin these these people are in conjoined twins mm-hmm. situation yeah, yeah. right they, so they clearly are i mean presence of consciously right. spiritually yeah. on a person yep. person and personality level yep. like they are they have uniqueness mm-hmm. and they have their relationship with god that is unique boom. to them boom all right well we're gonna get you uh next week we yeah. got a better one that was good though well yeah. you put yeah. me on the spot yeah. i'm getting all good. red in the face we're gonna have to do Fush a little him. bit of homework yeah. Uh, yeah a little Rossi. i'll have him do it since i don't read books <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't read books that's for slovenians <laughs> all right we're gonna we're we gonna italians wrap. we just want to eat and drink <laughs> we're gonna wrap this up and uh appreciate all you guys listening 
Um, you know, make sure you go to uh, CatholicTalkShow.com to subscribe. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us on Facebook. You can follow us on Stitcher. You can follow us on iTunes. Make sure you go out there and, uh, you know, follow us on all the your favorite platforms. You can watch us. You know, you can watch us. YouTubes, you can listen. The YouTubes. Well, guys, this was awesome. Yeah. Was yeah, we'll see you guys next week, right? Yep. We're going to talk about uh, something else. Yeah, we'll talk about other Catholic things. Interesting. There's a lot of stuff I like to talk Catholic about. things. It's good stuff. A lot all of right. stuff to talk about. All right. Well, all right. again, this is Ryan. Ryan. Father Rich, Catholic Talk Catholic Show. Thanks again. Peace. Peace. Thanks a lot for listening.